Hey guys, this is Max from, Max from Tennessee again. I'm just curious about to know what your favorite unsung franchises are. Like, I, my, one of my favorites is Phantasm, which I don't think gets the uh, same credibility with uh, Halloween and Friday the 13th in the media. So, what are your guys' favorite uh, franchises that you don't think get enough love from mainstream media? Thanks. Thanks, Max. I don't think we've actually talked about what we consider to be underrated franchise. We've talked a lot of franchises mm-hmm. over the last year and change, but I don't know that we've ever talked about ones that we think didn't get enough credit. Yeah. I can think of one largely thanks to, actually I can think of two, largely thanks to HBO Max lately. <laughs> that has reminded me these exist, but I'll get to those after you two. We do start it off. Uh, how about you, Megan? Psycho. I don't think Oh, this. Yeah. The Psycho franchise gets enough love at all. I mean, everybody talks about the first one. And then that's where it stops. And mm-hmm. Psycho 2 is amazing. Yeah. 2 came a lot later, right? A lot. A lot later. It came out in the 80s. <laughs> it's Whoa. like, yeah. It's, good. it's, it's really, really, really good. good. It's amazing. And it's like one of the most underrated sequels of all time, I think. And uh, mm-hmm. 3 is, is solid. Not nearly as freaking epic as part two but um i even like the cable one that's almost like a cliff notes of his life and him trying to rectify bringing a new life into the world and is it going to end up like him and it just brings back oh. yeah so the fr- the psycho franchise hands down i think is one of the most underrated franchises ever my wife got super into bates motel uh-huh. when it was on tv yeah. i don't but that is like the exact opposite of my wheelhouse. I don't want answers. Stop <laughs> telling me how the sausage gets made. Sometimes series. you want to know. So yeah. you can, so you yeah. can oh, make I'm sausage. Sure it's great. The, the actors were really good. Like the little bits and pieces I saw, they did, they did a great job. Mm-hmm. It's just, I understand that the longer a franchise exists, the more it's going to delve into the backstory. And it's mm-hmm. like, <sighs> is what it is. It's just... Yeah. yeah, but I think this one, like, because I'd started out that way for me, like, I started watching Bates Motel with the same kind of thoughts, but then the more it, it went on, the more it did its own thing, and the more Vera mm-hmm. Farmiga, like, really owned, both of them were tremendous, and it just kind of went in mm-hmm. some unexpected directions that I think it kind of yeah. set itself apart, but I get it. I'm that annoying husband who will not watch a show and then wander through the living room or something and be like... <laughs> What are they doing now? And they like expect <laughs> answers. So like I don't want to watch this, but now I'm curious. Can you tell me what's happening? Like no. that's weird. <laughs> oh, my wife obliges. She's dealt with me for long enough. That's the lesser of my eccentricity. <laughs> How about you, Zena? Um, well, I, I was even thinking Phantasm. So that's because it is mm. like a great series. I love it. But besides from that, I really like uh the Warlock series. A Warlock. Oh. I think that they're fun. You was know? there more than two? Yeah, there's there three. Were, yeah, there's hmm. three. And then um, also I like Wishmaster because who doesn't love no. an evil genie? <laughs> I feel like I'm always talking about that movie. but yeah, They've definitely got attention from this podcast. Yeah. But those two came to mind for me. Uh, I, I kind of started thinking Final Destination because I've slowly been watching them on HBO Max. But I feel like it's gotten its... Gotten enough attention. The one that I feel like I never hear anyone talk about anymore is Critters. Yeah. Critters kind of just disappeared. I mean, 
I think they made one back in like the nineties or like late nineties. They made Critters like, Attacks like a couple years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was in the nineties. <laughs> maybe it was twenty seventeen. Maybe it was twenty seventeen. I mean I they know. did have critters in the nineties as well, but, but it hasn't stopped. <laughs> but people really didn't talk about the new critters though. So it's like, oh, there's, there's only... a new one and then that was it. But there's been four and they started in eighty six. So saying that they're Ben Critters, that's that's a but lot. But is there of a difference between this. underrated or under discussed? Oh, oh, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah. Um, well, I like, <laughs> I I think I think it's a. Hmm. See, now you're making me think, and I don't appreciate that. <laughs> Let's ask the hard hitting questions. Yeah. I think it's underrated. I think it got overshadowed a lot by like Gremlins because it was like kind of that cute esque animatronic monster ghoulie type thing. Like ghoulies at least had like the ghoulie popping out of the toilet that people will always remember. And Critters, I feel like, is one of those people like, oh yeah. Critters, Critters. too is like has the definitive Easter movie. Yeah. Perfect. But, but are you Halloween are you movie. talking about are you a huge fan of Critters Three with Leonardo DiCaprio? I didn't even realize Leonardo DiCaprio was in Critters 3. I was yeah. I forgot that Billy Zane was in the first Critters. Yeah, well, Billy Zane is in Critters for a very brief period. But Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio is a main character, essentially, in Critters 3. See, we got to add these names to the list. Horror, it's important for future <laughs> stars. Well, hey, I have a question for us. Oh. Are we allowed to, like... <gasps> dun, dun, we'll dun, breaking okay. we'll see how again. I feel later. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, no, so, ask. um, I meant to text you guys this, but then I was like, I'm tired of this, Grandpa. <laughs> so I didn't. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, I'm such a nerd. No. Um. So, okay. This past weekend, I went to Spooky Empire right in Orlando, yes. and it was really yes. cool to go. You know, check it out. And I was able to do a panel. During the panel, a question was brought up that, um kind of ties back in with you know i do like youtube videos you guys know my life and yeah. uh they're their lists so uh with one of the videos that i did people were coming up to me and telling me who they would have added on their list uh -huh. of when i was talking about um the most epic speeches in horror as an example right okay so i'm curious i can only think of one <laughs> see but i i would think that yours would be john from a because you you know found footage. Is there anybody or any character from a found footage that gives like such an epic speech? Like as an example, I talked about um, Deep Blue Sea and Samuel yeah. L. Yeah, Jackson. Yeah, that's the only one I could think of. <laughs> yeah, with his character, that speech it was epic before you know a shark mm -hmm. ate him. But um, maybe Dusk Till Dawn, uh, when um. George Clooney, like they're locked in the back room and George Clooney like has to kind of corral the troops where he's like trying to convince Harvey Keitel that he's got to be a preacher again so he can bless holy water. And he's like, are you a faithless preacher? Or are you a motherfucking servant of God? Wow. Like, I think, yeah, I think that counts. And I'm pretty proud of myself for suddenly pulling that out. That of is the a spot. great answer. Oh, pumpkin yeah. sticker for you. Yay. <laughs> I like stickers. Uh I, I would have to go with Brad Dourif's um, monologue, this impressively intense monologue from Exorcist, Exorcist 3 in the prison cell. It goes on. It's like two pages worth of dialogue, and he just it just builds and builds and builds. Uh, an the awesome other obvious actor. one is Quint from Jaws. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool beans. 
<laughs> cool, 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 cool beans. <laughs> Welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, everyone. The podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. And to discuss the disgusting, you know her as lead movie critic for Bloody Disgusting, horror movie fanatic and journalist Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. Hi. And you know her from her YouTube channel and website Real Queen of Horror and her infinite love for the genre, Zena Dixon. Hey, Zena. Hello. If you're listening to this on a Wednesday when the episode drops, we hope your week's been filled with all the best kinds of horror. And if not, we're going to do a quick round the table for the movies, books, games, or anything else in horror that are making the three of us smile right now. Maybe there'll be things that'll make you smile too. So, Zena, what's been filling your heart this week? Uh, so, this week, I checked out the science fiction horror The Nest from 1988 on Amazon. Horrifying shocker as a biological experiment goes haywire when, ma- when meat-eating mutant roaches invade um, invade an island community, terrorizing a peaceful New England fishing village and hideous, hideously butchering the, its citizens. Jesus, help me! Okay, <laughs> so guys, this was um, a, a rewatch for me, but I forgot that it was a rewatch. You ever had like a movie that ruined your life as a kid? And this one, it was it for me. I thought it was Ticks, you know, but no, it was oh, this one. I think it would have been Ticks for me, just out of the two, until you yeah. get to the end. The ending makes a difference here. But yeah, go go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is, this is the reason why I don't like bugs. Why? I know there's no spiders in this one, but spiders, um, it just ruined my life. Anyway, um, you know, growing up in New York, and sometimes you have to take the train, you have to take the subway, you see a lot of things. You see a lot of characters, you see rats sometimes, sometimes you see roaches. And I remember after seeing this movie, when I saw a roach, I was screaming at the top of my lungs. And that's what I mean. And so it's just like, even today, and then I moved to Florida, and there are flying roaches here. They fly! So, yeah, it's, uh, it's terrible. But anyway... Yeah, yeah. I don't like roaches at all either, so I feel you there. So, yeah, this was, again, it was kind of like, there was, like, familiar scenes, and then that's when I realized that I did watch. I guess I might have, like, blocked it out or something. You you repressed this from memory, or no, none of these. I really did. I really did, Uh, but then certain scenes look really familiar, and then it, it clicked. But, yeah, it's similar to Jaws, where basically uh, it takes place in a... A sleepy town you know uh-huh. and basically <laughs> there are these huge killer well they're not huge but there's so many of them these killer hissing roaches you know that's attacking people and eating them and it's there's a mayor who's also hesitant who don't want to tell anyone what's going on and stuff like that so he calls his scientists to get to the bottom of it and obviously things just get gross and out of control and it's too late there is a roach cat hybrid thing you know um, there is a roach that takes over a human body. It's, just, it's, it's nightmare fuel. And I just, I couldn't look away. And this movie just made me just feel itchy, you know, but I found myself like really entertained and I enjoyed it. And then another plus for this is the characters are really likable. Um, you you kind of just, they're like good people and you're rooting for them and you want the best for them. And it's unfortunate because I don't really feel like anyone's done anything in, in this movie, like, dumb. You know, they was just, like, living their lives. <laughs> you just but can't yeah, escape roaches. You just you just can't. And, I mean, I, I would just die. I, I don't know. But, yeah. <laughs> um, if you like bug movies like Slugs or Ticks or um, Deadly Spawn, you may enjoy this one. And I highly recommend that you 
check it out. Or Deadly Spawn. Deadly Spawn. <laughs> Deadly Spawn is also a fun movie. It is. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I remember being like, okay, because I think Ticks is so much faster paced and this one's a little mm-hmm. bit of a slow burn. But then when you get to the third act with certain reveals, I'm like, oh, I love this. Where was this design the whole movie? Zena was like, I'm glad. I'm very glad. Yeah, it was like, there was so many things that was just off about it. Like, there was this woman who was, like, turned on by the roaches and literally turned on by it. She um put her hand in this machine and, you know, it's like gloves. And the roaches, they were eating her. And she's like, oh, they're eating me. And then the guy was like, okay, okay, take your hand out. And then she's just sitting there because she's loving it. And it's just like, help me, you know? And But I sat there and I watched the whole thing. I'm really proud of myself, but I did have to take a shower and, you know, stay indoors where it's nice and safe from roaches. I watched the Dune remake over the weekend, and that just immediately thought of the box test that Paul has to do. <laughs> if Instead of his reaction of being, like, trying to resist the pain, if he's like, ooh, it feels good. <laughs> because there's roaches chewing no! his fingers inside. <laughs> Stop it. Oh. But yeah, again, if you like bugs or you need a little razzle-dazzle, it's available for you. Then I needed something lighthearted, so I watched the horror comedy Shadow Zone. My teacher ate my homework from 1997. That's, that sounds like a Goosebumps title. Right? It, it actually is. It's based off of um, the Shadow Zone books. It's like the second one. There's like 13 oh, books. Oh, okay. Yeah. And um, so it's available on Amazon, and it's also on Tubi. And uh, basically, it's about this 13-year-old boy named Jesse who hates his teacher. And um, Shelly Duvall. Duvall. That's her last name. Yeah. She's in it. She plays the teacher. And um, one day while he's visiting, like, this, like, vintage shop, he sees a doll that looks just like his teacher, Mrs. Fink. So somehow he convinces the shop owner to let him buy it because, you know, you don't want that doll, kid. But, of course, he gets it. And, um... Over the next couple of days, he starts to notice that there's weird things going on, like weird voodoo things. Like, he accidentally pierces uh, the doll's arm, like with a sewing needle. And then the next day, his teacher, she has like a sling on her arm. Or, um, yeah, or he tries to like throw it away, but, you know, it keeps on coming back. And then soon the doll just starts moving and talking to him. And it just completely just takes over his like teacher's life. So he has to try to find a way to get this spell off of the teacher and the doll so he can like banish the doll back into the shadow zone and this is a this is a movie for kids and i remember watching this movie when i was a kid and i really liked it um it has like a wholesome message because the character jesse he wasn't the best student he was kind of terrible in my opinion like he would never want to do his homework he was always making up excuses and stuff and so and then the doll actually it fed it, it feeds off of like negativity so he had to change in order for it to whatever. But again, like I said, the only reason why I watched this is because I was watching Killer Roaches and I needed something nice and happy. So this was nice and happy or Ice Cream Man. But I was trying to be more, you know, Try to yeah. just break out of the, the comfort watches. Yeah, yeah. But so yeah, if you, um, if, you, uh, if you haven't seen this movie, it's a little cheesy. But keep in mind it is for kids. Uh, John, maybe... You know, I don't know. Maybe your kids might like it. It may, I don't know. I thought it was cool. The doll's kind of creepy looking, but, you know, why not? It could work. I mean, 
turned on on Tubi. The kids are getting pretty pumped up for Halloween at this point. Maybe I could convince it to happen. Yeah. But if they hate it, don't say it was me. <laughs> just say. Well, it'll be it. the girl, and I'll just I'll make sure she's done the next time we record, so she can say Zena. <laughs> Why? Why? Why would okay. you do that? But I don't know. I think she might like it. It's cool. So that's what I watched. Awesome. Nice. We know that Xena has a very severe weakness for bug movies. Arachnophobia, the nest, uh, nope, nope. Anything with spiders. Yeah, please, God, no. <laughs> uh, so I watched Eyes Without a Face on Criterion Channel, the, the 1960 French classic. It's a wild one. Um, basically, the plot is a surgeon causes an accident with his, uh, it leaves his daughter completely disfigured in her face. And he goes to extreme lengths to fix that. He's trying to do experimental uh, skin grafts. This was 1960 in, in Paris. So he's trying, he literally is murdering young girls that look like her and take their faces and transplant them onto her disfigured face. And uh, yeah, that sounds pretty straightforward, but it's still a very unpredictable movie. Like you have kind of no idea where it's gonna go uh i do love that it's one of the earlier at least for me uh one of the earlier movies that has the lead teacher from suspiria so she's oh, cool. in that yeah she's she's the secretary who will do anything for this surgeon but it's like for 1960 this the surgery is pretty gnarly like it's pretty mm -hmm. gross so i love how yeah, that that's pushing the, the like Hitchcock would never, never, you know, he he cut away like Psycho came out around the same time and you just see, you know, blood going down the drain. And this is like, here, let me get all of the surgical tools to like rip that flesh away from the skin. It was <laughs> pretty cool. So, yeah, if uh, you want to do some pre-70s uh movies to fill out your repertoire that's a good one i highly recommend it um and then on friday the latest entry in the dark pictures anthology came out house of ashes uh i played it on ps4 but it is I, technically i'm still playing it because i didn't i haven't finished it yet um but yeah you can get it on a bunch of different platforms ps5 i'm sure xbox definitely pc uh, the plot is super simple. A military unit searching for chemical weapons unearths something far deadlier. And this is set during the 90s with George Bush. Like, they, they are going um, to... They find some kind of compound that they think houses some chemical weapons. And stuff goes real wrong. It is <laughs> very much like... Well, it's it's definitely the third entry now in the dark pictures. So it's start until dawn... Then Supermassive did the Dark Pictures Anthology, which is in the same style of Until Dawn, right? So this is the third one. It still has the same kind of gameplay issues that the other two had, which is that it's a little bit clunky. There's a couple of mm. rendering bugs, but it doesn't matter because it's really like you're playing a choose-your-own-adventure and mm -hmm. your choices have an active uh, role in who lives and dies. So, uh, yeah, I haven't finished it yet. And then I'm going to replay because I'm going to be so annoyed with if I don't get everybody to survival. But uh, it, it's very much like pitch black. I get some serious pitch black vibes. Like you look at the trailers and stuff and Pazuzu statues are everywhere. 
and there mm-hmm. is a reason for that. Um, but yeah, these are it's it's interesting because it's like we have two pieces of media pretty close together that have this interesting creature of take on vampires and i won't say what the other one is because i don't want to spoil it but if you know you know (laughs) but yeah it's 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 pretty fun it's definitely way more intense than the previous two entries i feel like it's a little bit closer to until dawn so yeah that's what i did i had a pretty busy week uh normally like i said like i watch a lot of horror and like background noise and stuff and my wife's been more into it so we watched like i know what you did last summer and scream Two, and pretty pretty light-hearted ones and uh i got a chance to do a crossover episode with my fate my i suppose my other favorite horror podcast no sleep we got a chance to cross over some stories and um i started reading chasing the boogeyman by richard chismar but i just started it and i'm going to save it for some airplane reading for a trip i'm going to be taking a little later this month so I'll dig into that later one. this month. Book. This month is almost over. <laughs> Gosh, later in with in the next in the next thirty days. In the, okay, that makes sense. Okay. Later, later. That's this how month. I judge months now. It's it, what the calendar says oh, means nothing okay. to me. It's literally like, just day periods. You, you're running out of time. You better start packing if it's later this month. <laughs> I could still do it. You could. Uh, but what I had to watch was the medium. Based on Megan's recommendation from last week on Shutter, uh, 2021's The Medium on Shutter. So Megan already talked about it last week. <laughs> so I'm not even going to try and talk about it this week, other than the fact that I really, really like this movie. This one, the, the first, I'll say like the first act feels so much like a documentary that there are times where like, yeah, if I just started watching this and didn't know better, I would think this was a documentary. Like, they pull it off so well. Yeah. Um, which is is not an easy thing to do in foreign language pictures. Like, like I like I love Gone GM Haunted Asylum, but the, the cultural differences between, like, performances and stuff, like, it never makes me suddenly think, like, oh, this is a real thing. Well, yeah, but I almost feel like that's not a fair comparison because Gojium is like we're web YouTube influencers goofing off. Yeah, it's a lot different. Yeah, because you have the influencers on camera versus the documentary crew that's behind the camera. Yeah. So, yeah, totally understand. It's not, you're right. It's not fair. Um, I just couldn't think of a better comparison oh, that, okay. to like a documentary crew in any other, yeah. like in Asia. Um. Anyway. And Megan was very right. The third act is pure bananas. And yes, it is a slow burn, but I think, Megan, I think you said this last week too. I wasn't bored at all. No. Like it's a two hour plus movie, two hour, two hour, 10 minute movie or so. I was hooked like the whole time. And there is some like night vision, like CCTV style images that happen in act two that are so good including uh one particular one that i'm so happy that i had to text megan about and i'm like i saw it i saw <laughs> what you're talking about this really subtle but amazing like moment that's i'll just say it's in a car so if there's a car involved watch because <laughs> you don't miss it it's really good um yeah high recommendations medium was really good who did megan did you say there was a this director had done something else that's on shutter right now uh not on shutter it's the same producer of the wailing which i do think is on shutter 
But then yeah, I think the, the oh, director the one, yeah. did Shudder with two T's, the Thai horror oh, movie. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. I was very happy. This, yeah, the third act all of a sudden, it's kind of like, what is going on? It's so crazy. And, but good. I'm like, it works. Yeah. I kind of buy this, that all this is happening in a really weird way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I went, I also went lighthearted. I went the Xena route and went uh, lighthearted with some creep show Yay. on Shudder. Don't need to describe it. Most of you probably know what creep show is. If you don't, go check out Shudder. Uh, it, it's, it's very, it does capture that camp. Campier than even like Tales from the Crypt, I think. Uh, but very much in that vein and, and shot cinematographers from a cinematographer shot in a way that's like a comic book. So there's a lot of page turning. There's a lot of cartoon work and like drawings and things like that. A lot of humor involved in it. Even the darker ones, there's usually some humor in it somewhere. Um, just really good, especially just background. If you want something on creep show, like I think I, I think I watched like eight episodes of it or something. Oh, wow. I was like, yeah, I was just like, oh, it works. It's just kind of nice comfort, easy watching, like in this holiday season where some of the stuff's been a little bit rougher to watch. Yeah. Did you start from the beginning? Like, is this your... No, I uh, I started... So I hadn't watched Creepshow since, I, since it came out on Shudder. Mm-hmm. I watched like the first two episodes. Uh, uh-huh. And then I think I jumped to season two because there were just some descriptions that I thought sounded interesting, and I just kind of went from there. It's the fun beauty of anthology. You can skip around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I very much enjoyed that aspect of it, too. It's like, ooh, this one sounds interesting. I'm going to watch this. <laughs> Trick or treat. Exactly. you have a favorite episode so far? or? Oh, man. Um, I kind of like... I didn't write down... I like the one that involved astronauts. Oh. Uh. That one it had a nice twist in it, mm-hmm. and... It was one of the less funny ones, but I really liked that one. I kind of liked the the movie prop museum one. That one was way campier. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a good one. There are a lot of good ones. Go watch them. There's one with that involves a man who, we'll say, produces coins. <laughs> that I thought was pretty interesting too. Um, go watch them. Shutter. <laughs> go watch it. There anyway. <laughs> go watch it. And then. Just pure random. I decided to actually buy a movie on Amazon today. You, you blind bought it or rented it? I blind bought it. Whoa! Be- because renting was six ninety nine, and I was like, "Well, buying's twelve ninety nine. Uh, it's a risk." And I made the same risk with uh, the 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 smiley face killer. And I'm like, <laughs> "Ooh, I hope this pays off." And it was broadcast signal intrusion oh, that re- yeah. that just recently came out. I think just in October mm-hmm. even. Uh, I watched the trailer and I was kind of hooked by the premise. And okay, so in the late 90s, a series of sinister pirate broadcasts are unearthed by a video archivist and becomes obsessed with uncovering the dark conspiracy behind them. <laughs> God, that was a that was the best read I could do. That's what people are gonna hear, and not all the failed attempts I had at that. So I what captured my imagination about the trailer is I really got into those weird YouTube videos where it's just like a mannequin singing or like 
they're just like the, these really random creepy videos that are just like standalone. Like somebody uploaded them in like 2007 and just left it there. Like there was no purpose. No one could quite figure out the point, things like that. And that's kind of what this is. So like the premise is these broadcast signal intrusions are the equivalent would be like for those of you listening to know what Max Hedrum was. And if you don't look it up because that's just bonkers. But like this concept of a broadcast interrupting a television station, like their news broadcast, whatever, the regular programming with some sort of a pirate signal. And this one was just this really strange, like plastic face, almost mannequin like making noises, whatever. And this video archivist becomes obsessed with the idea of what's going on and these kind of connections that he starts to see in his own life and things like that. And he kind of goes on this rabbit hole of just kind of insanity. Um, not a perfect movie. I'd, I'd say, which I've never done before. I'd say it's like a six or seven out of 10 for me. Um, because it, as much as I like things not being explained, this does a really good job of not explaining it. And I appreciate that. But sometimes it gets to the end and you're like, and you left it very open-ended. So now I'm not sure how to interpret it as much as anything. So I want to give it another watch because the end of it is very abrupt. Uh, Megan, have you seen it? I have. Okay. So do you think the ending was very abrupt? <laughs> I do think that it's a bit of a fizzle ending. Oh, no. Yeah, I was kind of like, I'm, I wasn't, I didn't know how to take it. I mean, even the quote-unquote climax of the movie kind of left me wondering a lot of things. And maybe that was the point. But I really like the buildup to it so much because it reminds me of like some of my favorite like serialized audio drama podcasts that I could totally see this being an audio drama podcast of someone trying to figure out what's going on. Very much along the lines of like Video Palace, if anyone's listened to that. Uh, so I did enjoy it. I enjoyed the premise. I enjoyed the setup. I enjoyed most of the execution. And then it kind of hits this peak and I'm like, hmm, I don't know what to think. It's like, I kind of want to find out more from the director or the writer. Like, what was the intention here? Because now, now I kind of need my hand held just a little bit <laughs> so I can know if I'm on the right track. But eventually I'll just create my own narrative anyway. Um, I did enjoy it. I think I'm not mad that I bought it because I would like to watch it again mm -hmm. um, for myself anyway. If I just rented it, I think I might have been like, ah, crap, I should have bought it so I can give this another chance. Um... I would definitely say watch it if it comes out on streaming. Give it a shot. Kind of see it for yourself. I don't know if the the $7 rental is a little bit stiff, I think, on Amazon right now. Um, but very interesting. It definitely piqued my curiosity for the watch. I kind of thought that you were going to watch this one. Like, I was trying to predict what are you going to watch. It was yeah. either going to be this one or a 13 fanboy. Uh -huh. Oh, God, I forgot yeah. to watch 13 Fanboy. Crap, I'll watch that this week. Cool beans. Oh, darn it. And you see, this is what happens when I don't have stuff assigned to me. My mind just wanders, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'll watch that. No, I'll watch 13 Fanboys and report on that next week. Yeah. Okay, what do we watch and how do we watch it? Uh, I watched The Nest on Amazon and Shadow Zone, My Teacher Ate My Homework on Amazon, but it's also on Tubi. I watched Eyes Without a Face on Criterion Channel, and I played uh, Dark Pictures Anthology House of Ashes on PS4. And I watched 2021's The Medium on Shudder, 
2019, which is really just an anthology series of Creepshow on Shutter, and 2021's Broadcast Signal Intrusion as an Amazon purchase. Enough about what we've been watching this week. It's time for Megan to bring us up to speed on the news and trending topics in the world of horror. So what's going on, Megan? Filmmaker Casey Tebow is uh, aiming to put a modern genre spin on holiday consumerism with Black Friday, which kicks mm-hmm. off the holiday season by spreading some Christmas fear. So happy Halloween, guys. This is the episode, the last uh... episode before Halloween, and I'm bringing you holiday news. I feel like the jerk who's putting holiday crap on the shelves in stores now. Lowe's I'm and sorry. Costco are just... Lowe's and Costco. They're just full <laughs> of Christmas stuff right now. Yeah. I went yeah. to the store. I went to Target this weekend to look for these uh famed nerd candy corn. I can't oh, find yeah. I can't find them anywhere. And like the Target Halloween section was practically picked clean and the, the... We couldn't even find spider webs yeah. at, at Target this weekend. It was Aww. crazy. It is insane. The holiday stuff is already getting prepped to get put on shelves. So that's that's the equivalent of, of what but I'm doing this, here. This news that you're giving us, though, it's great because this movie yes. sounds awesome. It, it does. So Bloody Disgusting scored an exclusive uh, trailer. First look at the trailer and poster art, which highlights horror favorites Bruce Campbell and Devin Sawa. Uh, they are stuck in a toy store with a horde of demonic shoppers on Black Friday. On Thanksgiving night, a group of disgruntled toy store employees begrudgingly arrive for work to open the store at midnight for the busiest shopping day of the year. Meanwhile, an alien parasite crashes to Earth in a meteor. This group of misfits, led by the store manager, Jonathan, which is played by Bruce Campbell, and longtime employee Ken, Sawa, soon find themselves battling against hordes of holiday shoppers who have been turned into monstrous creatures hellbent on a murderous rampage on Black Friday. So it doesn't sound too far off from the reality, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the cast, the, <laughs> the cast also includes Ivana Baccaro. You know her from Pan's Labyrinth, the little girls. She's all grown up. Uh, Ryan mm-hmm. Lee, who's from Goosebumps, Stephen Peck, and Michael J. White, J. White, uh, Spawn. The film was composed by Fallout Boy's Patrick Stump. So you know all all of the names in there. Scream Media is set to release this horror comedy. Time with the holiday season. It is going to be in theaters on November nineteenth and on VOD on November twenty third. And uh, more original horror comedy news. Thomas Jane, Deep Blue Sea, and The Mist, and The Predator, and Kara Hayward, they are going to become vampire slayers. Uh, The movie is literally called Slayers. And uh, it was already sold to the Avenue for U.S. distribution. I think it's still seeking rights for the rest of the world or other parts of the world. But yeah, it's it's going to, it's got a 2022 target, or, or at least TBD date. Uh, in it, uh, James plays Elliot Jones, a man who has made it his life's mission to search for the vampire who murdered his teenage daughter. He finally gets his shot at revenge when he hears the Stream Team, a group of social media superstars, including Party Girl, Party Girl Jules, played by Abigail Breslin in Zombieland. And uh, she was in Zombie, yeah. Played by Party Girl Jules, which is... Abigail Breslin, who was in Zombieland and Zombieland Double Tap, and Gen Z pro gamer Flynn, that's Hayward, they've got a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to meet the reclusive billionaire Beverly Rector, that's played by Malin Malin Ackerman. Good grief. I cannot pronounce her name, but I love her. She's in The Final Girls. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, when the group discovers Rector has not planned an evening of fun and descends from a long line of vicious 
bloodsuckers, they must fight for their lives inside her house of horrors. I love that she's going to play a vampire queen. Uh, so can Jones save the day? Lydia Hurst also rounds out the cast. And yeah, so uh, there's a first pick kind of look at Slayers, which shows Thomas, Jane, and Hayward holding these crossbows. And Thomas Jane looks crazy. He's got this wild beard. So that alone sells that it's going to be a horror comedy. But I love Melon Ackerman. Uh, and non-movie news, but still movie news, the real Nightmare in Elm Street house is back on the market for Halloween. In the movie, it's 1428 Elm Street in Springwood, Ohio. But in real life, the iconic house that Nancy Thompson called home in A Nightmare in Elm Street is 1428 North Genesee Avenue in Los Angeles, California. And just in time for Halloween, it's back on the market. The current owners of the iconic horror movie are par parting ways with the property. So it's now on sale for $3.25 million. So, you know. Oh, is that all? Is that all? <laughs> yeah. Um, and in a fun, spooky little twist, fitting for this house and its history, all offers must be submitted by Halloween. Wow. Aww. So I thought that I thought that's a cute twist. Was it a bloody disgusting article? Maybe it was someone else that when, I feel like when this news broke, someone did a break, or someone actually looked and saw or found the values of other horror movie houses, like the actual Amityville house, the uh, the the house from Halloween. Um, I, there was a, there was like three or four others, and some of them, I was so confused. Like the Elm Street house when it was up for like three point five million, I was like, why? Because it says it's like four bedrooms, two baths. I'm like, oh, L.A. Yeah, gotcha. exactly. I'm like, that's cool. <laughs> exactly. why would someone? But like the Amityville house is like. Seven bedrooms and one bath, of all things. That's but it's like six hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, and that's like six hundred. And I was like, what? Yeah. Location so is is everything in L.A. Oh yeah, no. Uh, it's the first time the home was listed for sale since Lorena Scafaria, the director of films such as Seeking a Friend for the End of the World and to 2019's Hustlers. She bought it for two point one million in 2013. So. It has gone oh, good up for her. Yeah. Yeah. So it, the, the facade still looks similar, uh, has some kind of color switches, but yeah, the two story house features three bedrooms and four bathrooms. And right across the street, you can see where Johnny Depp's Glenn lived. <laughs> but yeah, if you want to see, I know if you want to see more kind of pictures of this house and just kind of fantasize about being able to magically afford a three point, to $5 million house in LA, you can go and find it on Zillow. So yeah, I'd be curious to see. <laughs> it would be really curious to see like who would buy it. I'm sure that's definitely something that's disclosed. Like you have to be aware going in that there are going to be people outside taking pictures of your house yeah. all the time. I heard that that's a huge problem with the Breaking Bad house. Mm. Oh really? That the owner actually put up signs like telling people someone lives here. Can you please leave us alone? Because they'll Aww. go up and knock on the door, yeah. and they'll go into his yard to take pictures, and it's like that's definitely happened was with a, the Amityville house before too. Yeah, it's like it, it was a TV show. Leave yeah. these people alone. <laughs> I'm pretty sure too with the American Horror Story house season one, they put a gate sure. like around it. Yeah, the yeah. murder yeah. house. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I I I get both sides. It's like yeah. But you moved into a famous location there. Of course, if I saw the Elm Street house, I would want to take my picture in front of it. 
I would not go up to the front of the door by any Same, stretch. Yeah, but, that's crazy. But yeah. So, you know, good luck, you Halloween homeowners. And, and uh, STS Fil- STX Films has acquired wo- worldwide rights to Bedrest, a supernatural thriller to star Scream 2022's Melissa Barrera for writer-director Lori Evans-Taylor. She's going to be making her directorial debut. After years of struggling to start a family, Julie Rivers, played by Barrera, is pregnant again and moving into a new home with her husband as they embrace a fresh start. After being ordered to mandatory bed rest, Julie begins to slowly unravel as she suffers through monotony and anxiety of her new constraints. Soon, terrifying ghostly experiences in the home begin to close in on Julie, stirring up past demons and causing others to question her mental stability. Trapped and forced to face her past and and the supernatural, Julie fights to protect herself and her unborn baby. Bedrest is being produced by William Sherrick, James Vanderbilt, and Paul Neinstein through their Project X banner with Evans Taylor, along with Evans Taylor and Brera. That's interesting to note because James Vanderbilt is uh, one of the screenwriters behind the upcoming Scream and Ready or Not. Um, mm. Cameras are going to roll on Bedrest next month in Winnipeg. Uh, Bedrest is a chilling supernatural cinematic thriller, said Adam Fogelson, chairman of STX Films Motion Picture Group. Lori Evans-Taylor's scripts was on the blacklist for a reason. Her compelling writing comes from a personal point of view we haven't often seen in the big screen, and that will elevate the material. We're also big believers in Melissa Barrera's talent as an actress to bring this character to life, and horror has been a consistently successful genre for us at STX. So, one... I'm... Always happy when studios admit that, you know, horror is forever reliably profitable for them. Uh, Mm -hmm. Two, Melissa Brera is on a, you know, hot streak. We're catching her at least on the beginning of her hot streak. And buried in this news, just a sly one-off sentence, Taylor's, the writer-director behind Bedrest, is currently writing Final Destination 6. Wow. They just low-key dropped that information and carried on their their announcement like it was nothing. So evidently it's not an underrated series. No. (laughs) No. You couldn't see, probably, but I was wiggling my eyebrows at you. (laughs) I'm just used to that look at this point. Oh, he's saying something stupid again. No! (laughs) No, that wasn't a you're saying something stupid. It was like, neener, neener, I got news. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, you're mentioning Final Destination. <laughs> it's the women in my life. I'm just used to that look. <laughs> oh, I want to see pictures of your daughter giving yeah, you that he's look. He's saying wrong things again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listeners, your turn. Think real estate prices are so high they're scary? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Dad jokes. That's what I'm here for. Love getting comedy in your holiday horror? Let's hear about it. Your number is 224-475-1040. The number is also in the show notes. Or feel free to email speeddiscussingpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, Zena's going to make all our lives easier in the sea of horror movie options and clue us in on what's appearing soon that we should be watching. So, Zena, what should we be watching? We do have a sea of horror movies this week once again. But it's the last week of October, so we can do this, okay? It's Happy fine. Halloween! Happy yeah. Halloween! Okay. First, Bloody Disgusting TV is available for you whenever you want, okay? Then that way you don't even have to choose. So, all right. First up, Tuesday the 26th, Don't Breathe 2 will be available on DVD. 
Then we also have The Last Matinee. It'll be available on DVD. And this one follows pretty much a killer is just brutally murdering audiences at a downtown theater. And there's a lot of eyeball trauma. And then also Skull, The Mask, will be available on DVD. This is like an action horror. It also has like a supernatural killer. And it takes place in Brazil and there's revenge. So, and just in case if you're like, oh, I don't know, Zena, it is on Shutter if you want to watch it. So then on Wednesday, the 27th, first we have Hypnotic, a.k.a. Let's Go Down. It'll be available on Netflix. So Katie Siegel, she's in this one. Hush, Hauntsmith Hill House, Midnight Mass. John. Okay, okay. <laughs> and, I, what did I do? Well, yeah. you, you, you know, like, you know you what like, you did. No, no because you... <laughs> You like Midnight Mass, and I do like Midnight Mass. Okay, I'm not just, alone in that, am I? Know, I? But it's just I don't know. Sometimes just like John, John, you like Katie Siegel. You like you her. You like her. Admit it. Admit okay. it. Go tell your wife. <laughs> okay, so uh, this one follows a young woman seeking self improvement, and basically she enlists the help of a renowned hypnotist. But after a handful of intense intense sessions, she soon discovers discovers unexpected. And deadly consequences. Then we also have Beyond the Monster. It'll be Beyond the Monsters. It'll be available on Shutter. So this is a docu series, and each episode will spotlight different horror movie villains like Michael, Jason, Freddy, Chucky, Penhead, Can- Candyman, and more. There are six episodes. It'll be premiering on a weekly basis, and it will focus on a single character. There will be interviews with horror experts, writers, directors, and actors from the original film. I think that it sounds pretty interesting. Then on Thursday, the 28th, we have Horror Noir. This is the follow-up to the documentary. This series will showcase stories of Black horror from Black directors and screenwriters. The six stories featured... Um, there are six... There are six stories featured. <laughs> okay, I was going to go into details about my feelings about this, but... Um, we'll do it. I'm excited. Oh, I'm really excited about this, you know? I think that it looks really cool. I love the posters. I really love that Rachel True is going to be, like, that she's in this. I really like her. She has fabulous hair. And I'm just really looking forward to seeing this. Aww. So, yippee-ki-yay. <laughs> and then we also, have, we also have, on Friday, the 29th, Paranormal Activity Next of Ken. It'll be available on Paramount+. Plus. So, oh. this is the next chapter. Don't that moan. What a moan. I said, oh. Oh, that sounded like a grunt. I thought you were upset. Like, uh. John's having a bad night. (laughs) John, you're not excited about paranormal activity? No, I said, oh, like I'm excited. Like I'm very low-key excited about it. Okay, just just making sure. I'm very tired. (laughs) Are you okay, Okay. John? John, are you okay? I don't know. (laughs) Megan, you're picking on him. Be nice to me. Okay. You can also call in about that, listeners. <laughs> but uh, this one is the next chapter in the Paranormal Activity fan, uh, film franchise. Then we also have a Last Night in Soho will be hitting theaters. Uh, this is a psychological horror. Um, an inspiring fashion designer is mysteriously able to enter the 1960s where she encounters a dazzling wannabe singer. However, the glamour is not you know, all what it appears to be, and the dreams of the past start cracking and splintering and something different and dark and terrible. Who knows? It's going to be like, whoa, okay? Then we also have Army of Thieves. It'll be available on Netflix. This is a prequel to Zack Snyder's zombie movie, Army of the Dead. You guys plan on watching this one? 
I don't know. Uh, I think I would watch it later because it doesn't look like it's very horror, which means that it's yeah, it yeah. lower yeah. on my priority list. Mm-hmm. And I it, liked the safecracker from the movie, but yeah, it's not necessarily yeah, something yeah, I'm going to watch right away. It's it's kind of about him. It's a know? heist movie. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm way more excited about the next thing on the list. Okay. All right, so Antlers will be in theaters. A small-town Oregon teacher and her brother, the local sheriff, discovers that a young student is harboring a dangerous secret with frightening consequences. This movie does look really cool. And plus, yeah, it's been put off for, what, what a year? A long time, I feel like. Yeah, so, all right, cool. Um, and then last, we have The Spine of Night. Um, it'll be available on VOD. And then I know it'll be available on Shutter like, later this year. Or maybe early next year. Um, and this animated fantasy horror, uh, when ancient dark magic falls into sinister hands, a group of heroes from different eras and cultures must band together to defeat it at all costs. At all costs. And um, just because it's animated too, I watched a couple of trailers. It looks really bloody and vicious. Um, so if that's your jam, if this may be for you. Nice. That's a Bloody Disgusting podcast for this week, everyone. If you'd like to read more from Megan, you can check out her reviews at bloodydisgusting.com and on Twitter at HauntedMeg. Xena can be found on her own site, realqueenofhorror.com, and the YouTube channel of the same name, or at LovelyZena on Twitter. And you can hear me on my daily horror narration podcast, Creepy, for the rest of October. And then after, it's not like I'm going to stop or anything. It's just. <laughs> but you might ease off the gas pedal a little bit. I can take a day off. Yeah. 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 And don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app and feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BeDisgustingPod or drop us an email at BeDisgustingPodcast at gmail.com. And for even more content and rewards like the ones that we're about to record right after this, check us out on Patreon.com slash BeDisgustingPod. So for this week, I'm John. I'm Megan. I'm Zena. Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love. Just make sure it's something bloody. And happy Halloween, everyone. Happy Halloween!